Hi, welcome to the Art and Science of Learning, the podcast that digs deeper in how we learn, so that in today's accelerated world, we can learn better and enjoy it more. I'm your host, learning specialist, Dr. Kinga Petrovai. Every week, I discuss aspects of learning with academics, practitioners, and individuals with unique learning journeys to inform and inspire how you design learning into work and life. Bonisher Caves in Canada is located under a hill of limestone said by geologists to have been the bottom of a tropical sea 500 million years ago. The caves are a weird and wonderful site, but it is also a rich learning experience that promotes lifelong learning in all aspects of the business. From young children going to learn about caves, bats, and fossils from a time before the age of the dinosaurs, to the young people who work at the caves who learn about the geology and the running of a business. So how can a tourist site be run as a learning experience for all those that enter? I am joined by the owner of Bonisher Caves, who will share his story and how he built a business that promotes lifelong learning. Chris Hinsberger is the co-owner of Bonisher Caves, an ancient natural wonder in Eganville, Ontario, about 120 kilometers west of Ottawa. As a student, Chris worked at the caves learning about the history and how to run the business from the owners, Tom and Ruth Woodward. The caves were discovered and explored by Tom Woodward in 1955 and became a major attraction with learning at the heart. Thank you very much, Chris, for joining me on the podcast. It's a pleasure to be here, Kinga. Well, I just visited your cave not long ago, and it was an absolutely fantastic experience. And it really does need to be experienced. The, the pictures that are going to be on the website don't do it justice. But can you describe what the caves are like and a little bit about the history? Certainly. The Bonisher Caves have been a business since 1955. So for the last 66 years, people have been coming from all over the world to marvel at what has taken place here. The caves are beautiful. However, what nicely complements the cave and makes this such a wonder is the limestone that the caves are formed in. Uh, it's often a wow. In tourism, we call it a wow. When someone comes not expecting something and they go, wow, I didn't expect to see that. Well, people come to see the caves, but then when they learn that the limestone was mud at the bottom of a sea almost 500 million years ago, before the age of the dinosaurs, before the evolution of the fish, and we have fossils in the stones, and that's part of our display. Uh, kids especially are just in awe. Like these used to be living creatures. So, uh, yes, going through the caves is fun, but knowing at the same time as you're going through a beautiful cave system and seeing the stalactites and things nicely lit in the walls are the remains of creatures that lived a long time ago. And uh, the ground are under our feet wherever we walk on this planet. Uh, those are the stories of our earth under our feet. They tell us about the development of the planet and what took place in the planet long before people got here. Yeah, it's a big wow factor, the fossils. And uh, very old limestone, 500 million years old, but the caves themselves, uh, practically brand new, formed since the last ice age melted away about 12,000 years ago. And 12,000 years, really, as far as geological time goes, is just a snap of your fingers. Yeah, the business side, Kinga, of the caves is we take those elements of nature and now they're on display. So anybody, any day during the summer can drive into our parking lot 
and pay the mission and see something like this. And it's, mm-hmm. it's fun for me to see people come away with a different appreciation about our planet Earth. And I think we contribute to uh, the stewardship of our planet through yes. our interpretive programs, the appreciation of fossils, the sustainability of what we're doing, like footprint on the planet. There's lots of things that people come away from other than just seeing a, a nice cave dissolved in the limestone. Absolutely, because although the fossils are ancient creatures, but there are actually bats that also inhabit your caves and that are a very important part of their hibernation, isn't it? Can you tell me a little bit about that? We run our cave as a tourist attraction from the May long weekend till Thanksgiving. The rest of the year through the winter, the place is put to bed. The lights are turned out, the pumps are turned off, part of the cave. Uh, Two thirds of it fills up with water, which leaves a nice warm pocket of air above that resting water. That nice warm pocket of air is a beautiful place for bats to come and hibernate. Yes, bats can hibernate close to freezing temperatures, but given a choice of a nice warm cave or a cold freezing attic, bats will choose to come into our cave. So of the eight different species of bats in Ontario, seven of them have been found here. People come here to study the bats. The Ministry of Natural Resources comes and nets the bats and bans them so that they can track their migration in a better way to sort of keep an eye on the bats because they've had a bit of a a tough time the last decade with the white nose syndrome. Now, the good news is, is bats being banned in the last two years. The folks doing that have seen juvenile bats, which means bats are being born again, which hadn't happened in a number of years. So uh, they are bouncing back. And thank heavens, because bats are a wonderful part of our ecosystem. Uh, Yes, bats freak out some people flying in their house. And, you know, a, a bird flying through your house is kind of freaky. So it's not the bat that's freaky. It's just something in a tight space. Well, that's really interesting. And clearly, this is not just a tourist destination with a very interesting cave and a learning experience for your staff and all the uh, students and uh, adults that come to you. But it's also really helping preserve the wildlife and very, very important wildlife, although bats can be a little uh, frightening for some people, but they're extremely important for our ecosystem. So that is a, a really wonderful thing. Experiential lifelong learning is really at the heart of your business in everything that you do. And you yourself worked at the caves from the age of 12, learning about the history and the geology, but also about the business side of it, about how to run the business. So before we talk more about how you weave learning into all the different aspects of your business, Tell me a little bit about your history and how you came to be the owner of the caves. Thanks for that question, King. It's one I, I love to, to answer. I came here at age 12, just a kid with a job, doing all the menial tasks that the older students didn't want to do. Uh, I don't want to say the older students here mutinied on <laughs> Tom, but they did say they were guiding tours and they didn't feel that, you know, picking up garbage and you know, getting dirty and messy and then guiding tours to the public. Uh, I think they suggested, Tom, that they needed a kid to do all those odd jobs. And my aunt worked here (laughs) and she said, I know a kid will do anything. (laughs) Well, I got the job here. It was excellent. My first job here, and I'm dating myself a bit now because this is a marketing technique that is no longer used. But back in the day, in the 1960s and early 70s, cars had bumpers. And tourist attractions had bumper cards, cardboard pieces of 
paper with, I visited the Bonnichere Caves, I visited Storyland, I visited right. Old Fort Henry. Yes. And those bumper cards would be attached on bumpers with wires. So okay. during the summer, cars would be driving all over Ontario, some of them with three or four or five bumper cards on their bumpers, nice. uh, saying the places they visit. So my first job was a bumper card boy. But with that came all the other jobs like cleaning up garbage and putting pop in the fridge. And yeah, I was the, and there's a term for the lowest man on the totem pole in workplaces, and that's the gopher. And no insult to our, our groundhogs and gopher population, but gopher means go for this, go for that. Right. The kid that does things. And, and I was fine with that. It was great to be with those older teenagers and learn things from them. And then mm -hmm. as I got older, I became a tour guide. Nice. And to be a tour guide, learning to deal with different walks of life. And of course, my parents were instrumental in this and telling me that everybody's created equal, no matter what sexual gender or color or race or religion you are, everybody is equal and worthy of interaction and friendship. And all the people I met from around the world as a teenager sort of formed my, my belief system in people in general. And it's the same way that the staff here are expected to handle themselves. To meet people from all over the world, what an absolute pleasure. And to learn of other people's cultures through them. And then as a result of that, want to go visit those cultures myself and go to other places in the world. And again, that came from being a teenager here at the Bonnachere Caves. That would lead to a wonderful relationship with Tom and Ruth Woodward, my employers. And when you're growing up as a teenager for 10 summers with folks like Tom and Ruth, they became friends of mine. And even after I left here, I would visit Tom and Ruth when I came back into town mm. to visit my own family and friends because they were part of my, my friendship circle. I talked to Tom and Ruth about if they ever changed the structure of the business to think about me, whether that be a manager or whatever change in structure. Well, 13 years later, after I left here to go out into the world and, and we call it get a real job, well, Tom got in touch with me and said, Chris, I'm 78 years old. I'm tired. I can't do it anymore. And we came up with a plan where I would get take a leave of absence from my job as a youth worker with the Ministry of Community and Social Services. Mm -hmm. I'd get a six-month leave. And I would come run the caves with Tom in 1992. And to have a new relationship with Tom as a grown-up adult, as opposed to a teenage kid, it was like I had two relationships with Tom. Now, Ruth had passed away several years before, so Tom was running the business on his own. But those two years before Tom passed away after the summer of 93, it was, it was wonderful to work side by side with him. He was so absolutely supportive of me mm. and the support he gave me and all the other older adults in my community. It's now the role that I play in my community and that's, I'm supportive of young people. So after leasing the business from Tom, having Tom pass away, leasing for two more years from his estate mm -hmm. and Tom's estate was run by his three children. They wanted to liquidate their dad's assets. They didn't want a business. Mm -hmm. They knew me. They knew my relationship. So uh, a, a real estate agent was contacted and they facilitated a meeting with the real estate agent and a fair market value mm -hmm. was established. And my wife and I bought the, the 15 acres and the business in 1996. So for 26 years now, we've been the owners as well as a um, 
a financial decision. It was a lifestyle decision to be outside yes. every day, to be in the community that I loved, that I grew up in. Uh, it's just been a pleasure. That is really wonderful. It's such a great thing that you grew up in that business and you did literally all the different jobs that could possibly be done and and also guided. You were guided into the business. Can you tell me a little bit about how Tom and Ruth helped you learn the ropes? I mean, I, I know when you came back as an adult, Tom was really working very closely with you. But were there any moments where you reflect back now and think, they were really trying to teach me how to run this. Oh, Kinga, totally, totally. Tom gave me responsibilities and uh, like selling tickets and organizing the tours, not just being a tour guide. Uh, I remember one day when Mary Harris from CBC Radio was here and she wanted to do an interview. Mm -hmm. Well, Tom decided that, you know, <laughs> he was in the spotlight enough and I was the senior tour guide here and he said to Mary, well, why don't you interview Chris? Chris will take you on a tour. <laughs> well, the next day I heard myself on CBC radio. What an absolutely empowering moment that was for me. I bet. Um, and yeah. what's kind of funny, Kinga, is yesterday CTV was here. Uh, Dylan was here last year to interview me when the caves were closed. And it was mm -hmm. a serious moment. So one that the owner had to handle. Well, yesterday I said, said to Dylan, I said, Dylan, how about you talk to Kyle and David? And they are two university students. They've worked for me for several years. So last night on the six o'clock news on CTV, there's there's Kyle and David. Oh, and, wonderful. Ah, I know they'll come to work today with their chests pumped out and feeling proud of themselves. And I will compliment them because they did an absolutely wonderful job. And sharing leadership is one of our guiding principles here and sharing the spotlight. The boss doesn't have to be on every TV show. Uh, the young people here, I give them every opportunity to put their, their best selves forward. You know, they're absolutely loyal to me and through what we've been through the last year and how they're still hanging on and now working for me, that loyalty comes from the fact that I give them responsibility and all the young people that have worked for me, you know, I give them raises, yes, an incremental raise as they work for me. But giving a young person responsibility in your business uh, makes them feel just as good as getting a 50 cent raise. And I see that happen all the time. Absolutely. That is incredible. I mean, that ownership and also the, the tips and insights that you were given from the owners, I'm sure long before they thought that you would ever get to that position. So it's a truly a learning experience for everybody who works with you as well. So can we dig into that a little bit more right now? Why is this important to you? You touched on the fact that it's very important to you, but why is that important to you? Well, my youth work background, I didn't get into youth work accidentally. Uh, as a young person, a teenager growing up, I always coached younger kids' teens. Uh, my parents taught me that you've been coached and taught at the same time you have to take responsibility for that. So I coached a girls hockey team when I was 18. I coached Adam hockey kids who are 12 years old. I refereed. I just was told to do things in my community and I found that I kind of like younger people. Uh, I had lots of good older relationships and when I went to my guidance counselor in high school wondering what do I do? He recommended because of my background and you know my tour guiding and working with people that I take a recreation leadership program. And it was a two-year diploma program that I took, and it taught me about working with different people of different needs groups, community recreation planning, marketing. It was a wonderful experience. And that 
course I took, every aspect of the course I have used in my life, community development, um, setting achievable goals and measurable goals, all that I learned. And I have applied that to every aspect of, of my business life. And, you know, you can't separate personal from business, especially when you're in tourism, because your, your business life is your, is your personal life. And tourism right. has been my life. But what a wonderful opportunity to be involved in youth work in that yes. gap, that 13-year gap before I came back here at age 35. Mm -hmm. And that overlapped actually for 15 more years where I was a youth worker in the wintertime working with, with young offenders. And then my, uh, my job in the summertime working with young people here at the Ks. And whether you're a young person working at the Ks or a young offender in my winter job, people are all the same. The skills mm -hmm. required to develop relationships with anybody at any skill level are the same. Mm. Understanding, compassion, empowerment, affection. And I've had every chance to, to, to do all of those things. That's wonderful. You really put your heart into it. It really resonates and you definitely care and want to make a difference for people, which is, uh, which is fantastic. But what are some of the strategies that you use to really help the young people working to learn about the business, to learn about the conservation, the cave, all of the different aspects that they learn. What are some of the things that you incorporate into the daily life? Well, first off, the young people who are who are selected to work here go through a, a process. It's not just phone Chris up, come for an interview, talk to me for 10 minutes, yes, I'll give you a chance. Uh, the young people have to be put in a position where they're going to be successful. I don't take a chance on anybody. When I select a young person to work here, I know they're going to be successful. And when they're going through their training here, it is very important that I set up opportunities that they come out of those opportunities feeling like they've had success. Uh, those successes build on the next success. Yes, we recognize that we made mistakes, but those mistakes are dealt with, talked about, and move forward uh, with, with a plan for success. One of our guiding principles is young people work here as do older people. I have, uh, of course, I'm an older person, but I do have older folks from the community who work on the shoulder parts of the season, but their work does overlap with the young people. Mm -hmm. And one of our guiding principles is, in fact, we learn from each other. I solicit advice and input from these young people as much as I can so mm -hmm. that they are part of the decision-making process, especially this year with getting reopened and some of the strategies. The young people have been instrumental in their ideas, I've created a work environment where they can come forward with their ideas. That's wonderful. You know, <laughs> daily, they're helping me with things. And, you know, over the years, as an older person, I've had to lose, learn how to use a computer more often, social media, heavens, even how to use my cell phone. <laughs> and, <laughs> wonderful. And they kind of tease me. <laughs> they tease me here because <laughs> I come to them with, something on my cell phone. Hey, can you guys fix this? Oh yeah, sure, Chris. <laughs> and to see a smile on a young person's face that's in my employee because they've helped me do something on my cell phone. Yes. And I say, thank you. <laughs> it's a simple thing and I don't do it on purpose, but just having young people do things. And yes, I can do everything here in my business. And what's funny two years ago and this happens on busy days. I get my straw hat and my safety vest and I go out in the parking lot and direct traffic in. Mm -hmm. And uh, one fellow came by and says, 
Now, you're the owner of the cave, I understand. I said, yes, I am. He said, well, why is the owner of this place out parking cars? <laughs> I, I laughed. I said, well, one, if I was busy doing something else, you and I couldn't have this conversation in the middle exactly. of the parking lot. And two, these young people are here to learn skills. I can do all of this stuff. I can sell tickets. I can guide tours. Mm. You know, I can, I can do doing that. But I want the young people to have the experience doing these things so they move forward with those skills developed. And plus, I just like parking cars. I like directing <laughs> right. traffic. I like talking to people and welcoming people into my parking lot. That's really so good. Again, letting young people have every opportunity to get their hands into every aspect of this business, even allowing young people to do a cash deposit, do mm -hmm. up a bank deposit. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know how many businesses allow... Uh, their staff to handle the cash and receipts that closely. I trust these young people. That's fantastic. Again, it's giving pe giving young people responsibility here. And I think it probably speaks volumes about our selection process and who I hire, but giving a young person responsibility and seeing them light up, it's like giving them a, a raise in pay. That's incredible. And you're creating a fantastic community that's really palpable for the people who come to visit as well. I mean, we've never met before. I went to visit the caves, but it was just... It, it, you could really feel it. You can feel that everyone really cared. Uh, they were passionate about what they were doing and they were very involved. And it is such a great community, which you create. I love the fact that you touch on a lot of really important points in learning, for, starting from empowering people to give them, put them in the spotlight, but also the recruitment process, which is which you said is really important because you want to make sure the people you hire are successful in their role. And also the fact that you create a real community of learning, continuously asking individuals for their input, for their help, and creating that community of learning so that you really do learn from each other, which is such an important part of a workplace and often something that is really missing because you need the time and effort to incorporate that. But it sounds like you have done that really brilliantly and it comes around you find out a lot about your own business, I'm sure, in the process. Absolutely. And uh, one of our other core values or guiding principles is we celebrate success. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that doesn't mean throw a big party every time something nice happens. Sometimes it's as simple as uh, I see our customers, you know, giving a young person a $5 tip mm -hmm. uh, for and thanking them for a great job. And if I'm in the background, I just look over at them and give them a thumbs up. You know, that's mm -hmm. that's a mini celebration or I give a fist pump. Those simple little gestures that the boss recognizes that you've just been complimented and celebrate that success. And sometimes a celebration is just a simple smile yes. and a, a job well done. I'll digress into a funny little story. We we have a get to get a staff get together near the end of every summer before the young people go back to university. And yes, we have some young people who are still in high school, so they're here for the fall, September and October. Mm -hmm. But that last week in August, several of our young people will be off to university. So we have a celebration at the local restaurant and we call it Unshackled. It's our Unshackled evening. We even call it Unshackled because several years ago, I had this idea for a celebration and I was talking to one of our young staff, Liam, and he was one of my senior staff. And I said, Liam, you know, we have to follow this dress code and in any business, there's a dress code with us. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, proper pants, not ripped, T-shirts, ball hats with cave logo. And I said to, to Liam, yes, I think we should have a celebration where we don't have to follow our dress code. We can go out for the evening. 
And Liam jokingly said to me, he says, yes, that's a good idea, Chris, because I find her dress code here rather shackling. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, I laughed. I laughed and laughed. And this is a teenage job. And of course, he was making a joke because he, right. he knows the standards. You have to have standards, customer service, first impressions. We talk about all those things. Yes, that's And great. I said, Liam, that's brilliant. We will call our end of the year celebration unshackled. Wonderful. Well, now it's a common term. We say we better be having unshackled again this year. And I have a series of pictures of us dressed up at the local restaurant and when the staff at the restaurant see us coming in <laughs> in various costumes even the boss because i have a tickle trunk full of costumes that i pull oh, out fantastic. every year and the staff at the restaurant just love it because they know it's our unshackled <laughs> evening and the vulture cave staff are celebrating another summer success and it's important for young people to know that celebrate successes and they see me celebrate all the time and some of our celebrations are the music nights that we do here, and we're going to do two music nights in August, the 19th and the 26th. And some of our young people here will be on stage playing and singing. Again, there's celebrating success. That's really good. That is absolutely wonderful. It's a great environment and must be wonderful to be working there as well. So you're a fantastic example of the apprenticeship that you had with the previous owners. But can you give a, a little story, I'm sure you have many, that stands out to you in terms of the difference that this type of work experience has made to someone? I mean, you're a fantastic example of it, but someone who has worked for you. Yes, yes. I have many stories. I'll focus on one particular story, and it's it's a common one. I hired a young fellow three years ago, and he worked for me for a couple of summers. And I'll, I'll call him Nathan, because that's what his name is. Okay. <laughs> I think if he heard this, he, he wouldn't mind me ta telling the story. But Nathan, part of our interview process, I'd seen his picture in the newspaper with the local high school doing fundraising and dressing up. And then when he applied, I said, oh, okay, that's that kid I've seen in the newspaper who puts himself out there. He got the job. Through the summer, you could see his skills developing. That fall, when he went back to grade 12, he took a one of the lead roles in a play. As he explained to the staff group, that fall, it was a weekend, and he told us that he said, you know, if I hadn't got this job in the summer, I would not have had the confidence to think that I could get up on stage. And we all went to the play. I've been to many plays that these young people have been in. It's what I do because one, I like theater and mm -hmm. it's kind of cool to see your staff up there on stage. But Nathan got up and he did an absolutely wonderful job and to go over and congratulate him after. Oh, and again, great. he said, if it wasn't for his job at the case, he wouldn't have gained the confidence to think that, hey, I can get up on stage. If I can talk in front of 25 strangers three or four times a day and talk about fossils and have them like what I do. I can be on stage. And this is a common scenario. What a great story. That is a really, really fantastic story. And I know you have many, many more. Let's also focus on the learning that the children and the adults have when they come to visit the caves. So visiting is not just to come and see the caves, but it is really a learning experience about the geology, the fossils, the bats. So can you tell me of how you help children and adults learn when they come to visit you? First and foremost, learning takes place, I don't want to say in state of anxiety. No, that's not the right word. State of emotion. If you're engaged emotionally in a situation, you're more likely to remember it. Part of what we do 
if we're enthusiastic about what we're talking about, then the person listening to us becomes enthusiastic also. And that creates an emotion. Mm -hmm. And through that, there's a connection. Pull out that fossil out of our pocket and it's a gastropod, you know, from 450 million years ago. And we're putting it in a, a young person's face or an adult's face and letting them handle it and touch it and experience it through touching the wonder and awe of nature and mm. instilling that in others. And we see it happen here every day. It's wonderful to have that opportunity to do that on a daily basis. And I watch the young people and yes, learning is through repetition and learning is through modeling. I place high standards on myself to model the type of behavior that I want the young people to exhibit here when they're talking to people, but I also exhibit the type of behavior that our customers see and learn from. A funny uh, story from a couple of years ago. <laughs> There's a couple of kids got out of the car eh? and they were like five or six. And the first thing they did was they picked up rocks off the parking lot and just started throwing them up in the air everywhere. And they're bouncing off cars. Oh, no. There were two dads with them. So I said, hey, you guys, come here. <laughs> and, you know, they sheepishly came over and I reached down and I picked up a handful of rocks. I said, guys, pick up a handful of rocks. And the two young lads that were being mischievous picked up the handful of rocks. <laughs> I said, see these rocks? They are pieces of ancient mud from 450 million years ago. And if you guys come over here, I want to show you what's in the mud. And I walked over to the wall and showed them the fossils. Oh, wow. And this father is watching this. And he's thinking this old guy cave owner is going to give his <laughs> kids a blast. And how I turned that stern voice into a story about the fossils and those kids eyes lit up oh great so i said boys you can pick up any rock you want i'm not telling you not to pick up the rocks but where you pick it up you set it back down i said look at those rocks over there and they picked them up the father bought the tickets and they went over to the picnic area and set all their stuff on and that father came back to me and he said sir Thank you. That was absolutely wonderful to watch. That's amazing. And it was just nice that that man came up because he recognized that maybe in another situation, in another place, those kids would have got a blast and be sent away. But those kids came back to me after their tour and they had rocks in their hands and they wanted to show me stuff. So through kids getting into a little bit of trouble, a friendship was created. That's amazing. Takes a real talent and caring to do that. But that is such a great example of how learning can be brought out of some difficult situations, which is really wonderful. I know this year is a little bit different because of the pandemic, but normally you take students and adults through the cave and guide them through that experience. And what are some of the key things that you show them? Yeah, the learning experience, respecting questions giving people airtime. And we often say as a tour guide, I'm going to be presenting a lot of information. I want to be very clear that if at any point you want to take the floor and ask a question or tell a story, it's very important that you do that. So a lot of our guided tours are exchanging ideas and stories. It's not just a tour guide talking all the time. This yes. year, it's different. As you noticed the other day, Kinga, you went on a, a self-guided tour. It's very important to us during this time when we have the self guided tours that we still make ourselves available to talk to people. People really appreciate that, and especially at this time. People want to be talked to and they want to talk to people. We've missed out on that engagement. I think here people come away feeling very good because we talk to people and sometimes that's all people want to do is have a conversation and meet the locals. Mm -hmm. And people do want to meet the locals. When I go someplace, I want to learn about the history and geology, the arts and culture, but I want to meet people. 
I want to meet someone new who will tell me a story and tell me something about themselves. And that that happens here all the time. And that's very important that that be one of our roles here. And you do that really wonderfully. And students come both in school groups and also with their families. But what do you find that for children resonates the most when they come? Which aspects do you think really resonates with them? Connecting the fossils to the stone. Why are the fossils there? Where did the stone come from? How has our earth changed over the years? What respect do we need to have for the planet so that we're stewards of the planet, that we're here for a short period of time? Earth has been here for a very long time and we'll be here for a long time after we're gone. And how do we look after the earth while we're here? Yes. And again, visiting the caves, knowing the geology, the stories of our earth, people come away with a a different respect, young and old alike. And that is, this is a pretty cool, intricate, dynamic planet we live on. And it needs needs us to, to be part of looking after it. Absolutely. So you really bring that into the present day and into the future, really, about how to preserve and how to respect and maintain our, our beautiful natural world. Yeah, it's a privilege to be able to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a business that's sustainable. Mm-hmm. If this business is looked after, it can go on forever. Nothing gets taken away. Footprint is small. That's what we teach. And again, it's the respect of the planet mm-hmm. that people come away with when they visit the Bonachere Caves. You certainly do everything to make such a community feeling and to really bring people in. In fact, for the adults, other ways of appreciating the caves and the surroundings through dinners in the cave and concerts on the grounds. Can you tell me a little bit about those experiences that are not necessarily touring through the cave, but really help to appreciate it as well? Oh, absolutely. Um, I have a relationship and a partnership with the Boncher River Watershed Project. And they are a group of people that foster stewardship of the Bonachere River. Several mm-hmm. years ago, we, we had this idea and it was actually Kathy Lindsay, who is the chair of the board for the Bonachere River Watershed Project, thought, wouldn't it be fun to paddle down the Bonachere River playing music in canoes? So we called it uh, the paddle and fiddle. We have a couple of violin pl- or fiddle players in the neighborhood. We put them in canoes. Uh, we have a registration. In 2019, we had 70 stand-up paddle boards, canoes, and kayaks. Oh, wow. uh, people register here at the case. They pay a fee. Then we are bust up 7k up the road to my friend Paul's house where we get in the river and we paddle the 7k down here to the caves all the while stopping every so often along the river to hear some fiddle tunes I have a friend who plays a guitar he plays some guitar tunes that's the paddle and fiddle and that makes several hundred dollars for the Bulcher River Watershed Project oh fantastic when we get down here to the caves after that two-hour paddle we pack up our canoes and equipment onto our vehicles. Then we head over to the picnic area where we have a barbecue and an open mic. And those same people that played music coming down the river and some others will play at an open mic here. And it's just a wonderful celebration looking after our river. Being able to connect this business to one, some of my hobbies, I like paddling, but to connect them to people, other people in the community is a wonderful pleasure. And I think I've done a, a good job of that. Yes, Bonisher Caves, are pretty much the same business as they were when I was a kid. I polished up some of the customer service. We have a store selling souvenirs and other items with our logo on it. But it's the partnerships that I've been able to create with our sports communities, like cycling, the Tour de Bonacher cycle event, and our arts and culture community by putting on 
poetry evenings or music nights or music in the cave have created a, a wonderful community and network, not just of business colleagues, but most of those business colleagues grow to be friends. And I'm absolutely privileged and and fortunate to be able to develop the number of relationships and friendships that I've had through this business. And it's never lost on me, not ever at all. Uh, absolutely. You really create this beautiful community, as you said, of all sorts of different the arts and, and sports. I know in the past you've done dinners in the caves, which from the pictures look like a really mesmerizing experience. Is that something you will be doing in the future? What is that experience like? Yes, Kinga, we will get back to doing our dining evenings in 2022. We do two of them in the fall, the first two Saturdays after Labor Day. We don't do them in the summer. We're too busy. In the spring, it's too wet. And later in September, the bats start to come in. So we do these two special events where we turn the cave into a fancy restaurant with candlelight and white tablecloths and waiters and waitresses to serve people a four-course meal. And I have musicians come in, guitarists that will walk between the tables and play songs in various parts of the cave for, for people dining. And they've, they're absolutely wonderful. They're as much fun for us to put on, the staff and myself, as it is for people to be involved. Yeah, they're a great deal of fun. Yeah, you get a very different appreciation and a different uh, way of seeing the caves, which must be fantastic. Oh, it is. It is. And, uh, and people who have visited the caves on the tour it's a way for them to experience the caves in a, a little different way. Well, yes. actually quite a bit different way. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, I just love the fact that you bring together such a wide community of very different interests and people into learning and growing together in understanding the business better for your staff, learning about the ecosystem, the fossils, the bats, the history, the surrounding businesses, the arts, I mean, you just really combine so much into this that it's a very, very rich experience and a wonderful place to visit. You promote learning in all aspects for the visitors and staff, but how are you continuing to learn in the running of your business? Oh, that's a very good question. Uh, I keep my eyes and ears open. I mm -hmm. do not miss a networking event. Uh, mm -hmm. I do not miss a training event. I've been in business 30 years and keep adding new arrows to my quiver, so to speak. I don't want to be stagnant. I want to keep learning new things. When I learn something new, I try to apply it in my business as soon as I can. When I apply something new, I do it full speed ahead, because if you make a decision full speed ahead, then if it's not successful, you're going to know right away and then redirect into something else. But I try to incorporate as much new into the business. And again, the learning, I keep my ears open for my young staff who have ideas about doing things. They know how to use social media. Uh, they travel. They're at university. They see different ways of teaching and learning things. Again, I, I keep my eyes and ears open to what new developments are taking place in the world. I just continue to learning to keep my own mental health sharp by continuing to have a good balance of life between work and play. And again, I get back to our our core values are guiding principles. Uh, the young people know that's one of them, that we have a balance of life. These young people work hard when they're here, but because they're the type of young people who are around people and are good around people, they have all kinds of other things in their life. And we do our best to make sure that these other opportunities outside of work aren't missed. And young yes. people will often come to me and say, Chris, I've got this going on. I said, these are our values. You can't miss that. We will work around it. Uh, and that's very important to 
And it's a way for me of showing appreciation for the hard work that people do here as a, to make sure that they get to still be available to do those things that enrich their life outside of work. Absolutely. That's really, really good. And in terms of over the many years of running your business, what have you found to be most challenging? I think the use of the computer and social media, that was challenging. It's one of those things in business, I guess the good analogy is our cell phone. You know, when people mm-hmm. say your cell phone has enough data in it that it could have taken the Apollo lunar module to the moon. And, right. and your cell phone now, you don't even use all of its applications. We do not a bad job with social media and that kind of thing. However, you're always being told that you're never tapping to your full potential. And I, I guess I have to sort of say to myself, well, do I need to really tap to a full potential all the time when people are coming into the parking lot and I have a good business and customers are coming, I can't worry too much that I'm not doing everything correctly when we're getting a good flow of customers. I can't sweat it too much. But again, I'm always challenging myself to learn as much as I can. That's great. And over the years, have you, has there been something that you found most surprising in how your business is being developing? Not surprised. I was told this was going to happen. And back in the day when people marketed to your customers, listen to our TV stations or print media, what were people reading? So you marketed to your customers. Now with social media, the term is you market through your customers. You give customers every opportunity to take photographs, to tag themselves, to share on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. A lot of the customers we get here didn't read about us in a publication. They saw their friends' pictures on Instagram and Facebook. So there's that marketing through your customers. It has really changed how people in tourism do business. Yeah, that is definitely an interesting development. It is. It's, it's the way the world's changing. Now, what, I don't know if this caught me by surprise through my 30 years. I did not predict, nor would I sit back and predict something like this, but I did not predict the amount of friends and close contacts and relationships I would have as a result of this business. I have That's wonderful. people that I call friends from all over the world. And that's absolutely humbling to me, how many people I have grown to respect and how many people respect me. That's amazing. That is an absolutely phenomenal life to develop where you have a thriving business. You really give back to your community and you create a community that supports your own life. You have friends and wonderful memories through your business, which is an absolute dream, I think, for anyone to have in their career is to develop a career that also creates such a wonderful social life and enriching experience throughout their lives. Truly incredible what you have done. So what is next for you? What is next for the caves? What are your plans? This summer, with what we've all gone through is getting people back through the doors, back marveling at mother nature. I want to reconnect next year back to all of our special events. And that will be the paddle and fiddle de Bonacher. It will be the tour de Bonacher bike event. We will do our underground dining. We'll do our small concerts in the cave. I want to get back to doing those events. I want to get back to being seen as a hub of culture. I want to do poetry reading in the caves. I want to lend my cave out to people. I have a friend coming next week to read some poetry in the cave and record herself. I want to be seen as that person 
that facilitates that and allows that to happen on the property. We spent the last year and some away from each other. I want to be the person in the business that helps. I don't know if heal is too strong a word, but just brings back that connecting with each other, that engagement with each other. And I want to be instrumental in that. And I think I will be, but I won't be that way on my own. I have my own support networks. I have my wife of 40 years that, yes, a lot of this stuff has been my initiative, but without her support and guidance and encouragement, I have learned that you don't do things on your own. You really need a support network of people around you. And I have a very good support network of of people around me. And sometimes that support is just being a friend. That is amazing. And I very much look forward to going back and going to those events in the future. But before we end, I like to ask each of my guests if there's something to read or watch that inspires them on these topics that you would like to recommend to listeners. Okay, I, I love movies. I love books. I would be entertained reading the back of a soup can. So I read everything. <laughs> I read uh, rock and roll bi- biographies. I read the Motley Crue book last month, uh, the Rolling Stones. I play hockey. I'm a sports fan. So I read a lot of sports biographies. I love science fiction. So I read science fiction. I read novels. The series of books that has had the most impact on my life is the Earth's Children series by Jean M. A- I don't know if I have her name right, Jean M. Ale, The Clan of the Cave Bear, The Mammoth Hunters, The Valley of Horses. There's a series of five books talking about prehistoric Europe, just back after the Ice Age when Cro-Magnon and Neanderthal people lived together. And these books, I think everybody should read them. Uh, Ayla, the, uh, the main character, is a woman who challenged gender boundaries in her tribe. She was a a healer. She learned how to use herbs. She trained horses to ride on like she was ahead of her time. But all this took place again when at the end of the last ice age, it it talks about geology. It talks about cultural differences. It talks about gender differences, all done in a prehistoric world. And there's an absolutely wonderful read. And yes, those are my favorite books. But again, I've read hundreds upon hundreds of books and watched all kinds of movies, but I would recommend that to anybody. That sounds really wonderful. I, I, it sounds like a really good and inspiring read. So thank you for sharing. Well, Chris, I mean, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and to get to know you and to visit your caves. I'm just truly inspired by the type of business community and a really rich learning experience that you've created for everyone who comes to the caves to work or to visit. So thank you so much for sharing that on the podcast. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, King. And I just have to let you know that I'm talking to you from upstairs in the uh, the barn on the property where my office is. But right now I hear the young people getting the day ready down in the ticket kiosk and setting up the fossils. And I know it's Kyle and David, who were on CTV News last night. So my first talk of the day is to go down and tell them how awesome they were. Oh, that's fantastic. (laughs) That's That's fantastic. What a nice nice role to have is to tell young people how awesome they are. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I will let you go. And of course, for everyone, your website is in the show notes so people can find you and you're just outside of Ottawa, go to visit you because it's a truly fantastic place. So thank you very much again, Chris. 
Thanks, Kinga. That was uh, a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Bye.